Thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. We are taking 12 weeks this summer to journey through the book of Acts together. You can follow along and engage with us daily using our Acts Daily Study Guide. Pick your copy up at the church this week or on Sunday at service. And make sure to bring it with you each Sunday for worship. Now here's week four of Acts with Pastor Adam Barnett. Well, good morning. Come on, louder than that. Good morning. Yes, thank you. It's good to see you. Happy Father's Day. Uh, This week I saw something funny and wanted to share it with you. Happy Father's Day. I got you a present that if you want to get technical, then technically you bought it. By the way, can I borrow $20? Anybody relate to that? Okay. One of the greatest privileges in this life is the title, Daddy. Uh, But I want to elaborate and speak further to this. For any men here, brothers who are uh, desiring children, but find yourself still waiting, possibly in frustration, we hopefully wait with you. For any who are reminded today of a child who was only here for a short time, today we hurt with you. For any men who have served faithfully as a spiritual father to others, we are grateful for you. And for you grandfathers who have given decades of your life to raise and serve your family, we honor you today. For those grandfathers here who are raising your grandchildren, we pray for your endurance. For anyone here who misses your dad today, we pray for your encouragement. For any who have been wounded by your dad, and today is a painful day, we pray for your healing. For any of you single dads, foster dads, adoptive dads, stepdads, we applaud you and thank you. For all the dads here, wherever you are on the spectrum of fatherhood, keep up the good work. And Michael Barnett, to my dad, I love you and I honor you. Let's turn to Acts 2, uh, verse 42. If you forgot your Bible, there's a red one located under the seat in front of you, and if the Bible is new to you, I want to make sure you can find Acts 2 quickly, so in the red Bibles, that's page 1694. 1694, this is week four of our summer series on Acts. Feel free to take notes in your Acts study guide on page 35. If you still haven't picked one of these up, uh, these are stacked outside in the lobby for you. So we pick up an Acts after Peter's Christ-exalting sermon, and as a result of the Spirit and the Word at work, around 3,000 people were saved. Acts 2, 42 through 47 offers a description about how uh, the inaugural church lived and worshipped. There is not an Acts chapter 2, verse 48 that says, go therefore and be just like the early church. This church, like every church that has ever existed throughout history, just like this church, there were issues. This was a model church, but not a perfect one. We're not to read this and understand this to be a perfect church. There was gossip and envy. I have to believe there was slander in this church and disagreement and betrayal. Yet, even still there, despite their imperfections, something extraordinary was happening in this Acts 2 church. So, let's look at the text together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I'm going to put a list on the screen here of 10 descriptions of how these earliest followers of the way, as they were known at the time, the term Christian had not arrived yet. Feel free to write these down. We'll leave them up there for a few seconds. But these are the 10 descriptions that we see of this early church, devotion to the Word, devotion to one another, breaking of bread, prayer, radical generosity, inseparability, they loved to be together, and consistency, the frequency of their gatherings daily. There was a spirit of awe and gladness and praise. There was an attractiveness element to this church. People who were on the outside of this church would look in and see, and they would want to be a part. And then daily evangelism. There were people added to the church daily, so we know that those earliest Christians were out sharing their faith daily. And as I look at this list, I am incredibly challenged, and I hope you are too. I don't know that anyone, nor do I see any pressure for anyone to be a 10 out of 10 on all 10 of these descriptions uh, and these disciplines. I know that that's highly unlikely. But certainly, if you can relate to me, my commitment level to some of these could be elevated. So let's look deeper into the text and let's have teachable hearts today. And as we do, feel free to do a personal scan of your own life and of your own spiritual disciplines. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. From the beginning of the church, the earliest followers of the way, there is a non-negotiable emphasis on the Word of God. This is one of our affirmations as a church. We affirm the centrality of the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, and that is the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Holy Scriptures are the only perfect rule for faith and doctrine and conduct. And then there's fellowship, the Greek word for fellowship, koinonia. Say that with me, koinonia. Say that confidently, koinonia. The truest fellowship that we could ever experience, and yes, you guys get together in your living rooms and share a meal and hang out, that's fellowship, but the truest sense that we could ever experience is the fellowship that is initiated and produced by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit in me, and then we fellowship with one another. The power of that fellowship belongs to the Holy Spirit. By the way, as a side note, don't you think that two Christians who are spirit-filled should be able to iron out their differences and disagreements extremely easily? I don't know why we get caught up on things for days and weeks and even years when the Holy Spirit is our common denominator. We ought to be able to iron out our differences. 
I love this description of koinonia from author Anne Ortland. She says there are two kinds of communities that can be found in churches. One is like a bag of marbles. They come together for fellowship, but they clack and clatter around. They scratch each other. They connect, but they don't mingle. The other kind of community is like a bag of grapes. Shake the bag around a little and it starts to drip. Look inside. It's not pretty, but they're mingling. Each life bleeds into the others. That's koinonia. That's authentic, spirit-empowered fellowship. I hope that Redeemer feels like a bag of grapes for you. We are not perfect, messy at times, but I believe that we are authentic. At least I know that's our desire. Verse 42 continued, They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they ate together, and the meals had two purposes. Yes, one of which would satisfy their physical hunger, but more importantly, they would take bread and wine, and they would give thanks, and they would remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on their behalf. And as you gather for fellowship with fellow brothers and sisters in the faith, you also can do that. You don't always have to talk about the game even though that's fun. You can also talk about and remember Jesus. And they prayed together. And they prayed for one another. So yes, Redeemer is not a perfect church and we have many areas to grow in. But in the category of prayer, I'm particularly thankful for Barbara Dunn and her leadership and organization of our prayer team and the 51 members of the team who consistently and faithfully rally together daily in prayer for this church and beyond. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, not so much a terrified run-for-your-life kind of awe, but a reverent admiration. And verse 44, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. This didn't mean they all loved the same teams and the same golf courses and all that. They had this common theme of dependence on Jesus, a common theme of commitment to this new way of life. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And as a result, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Devotion to the Word. Devotion to one another. Breaking of bread, prayer, inseparability, consistency in their gathering, a spirit of awe and praise. So I'd like to focus the remainder of my time on two of the characteristics of the early church, and these two are often the most prickly and awkward and uncomfortable disciplines for a Christ follower. Radical generosity and consistent evangelism. Everybody okay? You want me to continue this sermon? Everybody okay right now? Here we go. Radical generosity. Part of our transformation 
in Christ should be a benevolent care for others voluntarily and enthusiastically. And that means, you know, when we have opportunities to be generous, we not only voluntarily engage with that opportunity, but afterwards we have enthusiasm about it, not regret. We ought to have this benevolence. Even John the Baptist insisted that sharing our resources was linked to our repentance. See Luke chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Back to koinonia. This word has a closely related variant, koinonikos. This means generous, and it's also interpreted as free giving. So, those who share in God inevitably share His nature, and as a result, embrace generosity. Are you following this? Those who share in God inevitably share His nature, and as a result, we embrace generosity. But still, there's verse 45, it intimidates me. They sold their property. They sold their possessions in order to give to anyone who had a need. I think about those that were outside of the church looking in, and they probably thought that these new Christians, these new followers of the way, were crazy. These people are nuts. And imagine the gossip on King David Street. Did you hear about the Jones family? They don't have any more money and they can't feed their kids. But you know what? I don't know why I'm talking with this voice. I always do it. But you know, did you hear what else? And you know, I heard about the Miller family. They sold a wagon and they gave the money to the Jones family so they could eat. <laughs> this is crazy. Free giving. This is bizarre, but it's also so attractive and intriguing and kind and countercultural. And it's inviting. Now listen to this. I, I, I really think that the early church grew so rapidly despite opposition, despite persecution. I think that the early church grew so rapidly partly because of their generosity. People looking in and wondering why these people are living this way, why they would work hard for their wage and then buy something and then see someone in need and then sell that something and give the money to the people who are in need. To be clear, and you know this, we don't really believe in Scripture that anything says Jesus is against us possessing things. We all have things. There's nothing wrong with things, but there's a big problem when things start possessing us. When we're waking up in the morning thinking about what we can get instead of who we can serve, what we can buy instead of who we can love, Jesus doesn't want these things in our lives to possess us and interfere with our generosity with other people. We've got to be careful, church, not to prioritize our castles over God's kingdom. We've got to be really careful not to prioritize our castles over God's kingdom. It is God's kingdom over our castles. And one more thought here. I used to think I was generous Whenever I tithed to the church, I, Andrea and I would write a tithe check, and it felt generous, and God corrected me in this. My tithe is not generous. My tithe is obedience. My tithe is submitting my finances to God, 
and I'm being obedient. I'm not giving to God something that He needs or doesn't have. God has authority and dominion over every cent of every dollar of every currency in the world, and that's why He's your provider. You're not your own provider. He is your provider. And so, when I tithe, I'm being obedient. I'm returning a portion of what God has already given to me. I'm I'm returning it to the church for the sake of ministry. My offering, though, giving beyond my tithe, my offering to the person in need, that is generosity. That's when I'm being generous, meeting somebody else's, prioritizing someone else's need over my own need. And for anyone here who would argue that 10% of your finances to the church is an Old Testament principle that doesn't apply today, well, then I think it's safe to assume that you are giving more than 10% because this is the New Testament era. Surely you would give more after Jesus died for you and resurrected from the dead. I'm sorry. Was that your toe? Pardon me. Radical generosity and consistent evangelism. Peter's sermon, oh, it was a good one, wasn't it? And it led to thousands of converts right there in that moment or throughout that day, but then the church grew. The church grew. This, this was a movement that people joined in on daily. It is the community of believers and their distinctly alternative lifestyle that led to continuous conversions. This distinctly alternative lifestyle was documented beautifully by Aristides in the year 125. He wrote the Roman emperor, and he said, this is why I believe this this new way, all these people are coming and following this new way, and this is what he documents, explaining the reasons that Christianity was spreading. Through their love, they persuade, did you hear Aristides? Through their love, not through their bitter words, not through charging into their communities and and speaking out what they're against, not pushing doctrine over relationship. Through their love, he said, they persuade others to become Christians. And when they've done so, they call them brethren without distinction. They go in their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them. And they love one another. From widows, they do not turn away. They deliver the orphan from the one who treats him harshly. And he who has gives to him who has not, and without boasting. When they see a stranger, they take him into their home and rejoice over him as a very brother. Their brother is not of flesh, but of spirit. And whenever one passes from the world, each one of them, according to his own ability, gives heed to him and carefully sees to his burial. If they hear of one that is imprisoned, if possible, they redeem him and they set him free. If they hear of one that is afflicted, they anxiously minister. If there are poor among them who have no food, they will fast for two or three days in order to supply food to the needy. See, evangelism is through our love. Yes, we know the truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, but we can't start with truth. Truth will divide and truth will polarize us from someone who doesn't believe. And so we start in our evangelism with our love, through our actions, through our, get this, through our listening to the other and through our words then. The Holy Spirit 
is a missionary spirit. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. Therefore, evangelism is not optional and evangelism is not seasonal. Evangelism is your way of life and my way of life if you are in Christ. You have a message that needs to be heard. Your testimony, the story, and the evidence of what Christ has done in your life needs to be shared. It needs to be broadcasted. Hello, somebody testify. Share your testimony. Share what Christ has done. Gretchen is our director of outreach here at Redeemer Church. Your personal evangelism is nowhere to be found on her job description. I'm sorry if that's the first you've been informed of that. Your personal evangelism is a discipline in your own life, taking what Christ has done to transform you and make you new and give you the gift of eternal life and go out and share that story with someone else. To show our cards here, our staff and our leadership team recently worked together on a project to assess and evaluate the health of our church. And one of the most glaring weaknesses as a result was evangelism. Therefore, we have plans to increase our attention to this practice to help equip and resource you. On page 110 of your Acts study guide, you'll find the appendix, Practical Tips for Sharing Your Faith. Give that a read. We plan to provide good resources to equip you and to empower you, but those resources are nothing compared to being equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So as you stand this morning, I want to speak directly to A few of you, all of you, go ahead and stand up, please. I'll speak directly to a few of you or maybe hundreds of you. If you are here today and you would like to increase your discipline of evangelism, and I don't know what exactly that looks like. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But if you want to wake up in the morning, maybe now with this emphasis on God as it would please you, Show me a person that I can love. Show me a person that I can serve. Bring someone into my path today that I can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with. If you want an increased discipline of evangelism, if you desire a heightened awareness today, so maybe right now you go about your day and you're not really aware of what's going on around you, the depravity, the need. If you want a heightened sense of of awareness of opportunities that God might place before you to share your faith. If you want kingdom assignments orchestrated and designed by the hand of God from heaven and then sent right into the middle of your day tomorrow, if you want those kingdom assignments and you want that heightened awareness to not miss those kingdom assignments but to step into them with boldness and courage, if there's someone in your life right now and you already know, you already know this person. You already know God is asking you and inspiring your heart to share your faith story with that person, that you ought to share your faith with them. I just want to ask you to be bold and simply acknowledge by raising your hand today. Yes, I want to increase. I want to increase in this discipline. Raise your hand. Go ahead. I want to to grow in this. I want a heightened awareness today of these kingdom assignments orchestrated by God. And I want to step in with boldness. I don't, want to miss, I don't want to miss these opportunities. I have a bit of anxiety about experiencing eternal life with God, but maybe knowing that I missed assignments here. Let me pray for you. Thank you for raising your hand. Let me pray for you. Father, come now. 
Holy Spirit, come. Seal these commitments this morning that my friends, my siblings in the faith would leave today with this desire to increase in this discipline. Yes, it's difficult, but it's not us. It's not flesh. Our battle is not with the flesh, but it's in the Spirit. Therefore, we lean into you, Holy Spirit. Come and empower us today. Give us boldness. Give us courage today, God. Help us to drop any excuses here in this sanctuary today and to leave with a heightened sense of awareness of of these kingdom assignments that we believe you've orchestrated. Oh God, we want to walk faithfully into those moments. It's our desire that people would come to know you as Lord, that we would not treat the gospel as something that is merely for us, but it's for all people. Give us courage, give us boldness, and help us, God. Through Christ we pray and ask all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to stay connected to all that's happening at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.